You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the hump day edition of the yard, Bulldogs pick up an impressive win last night. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and pop, prop up the competition. It's a ball game. State should have won going away. We did win going away. And uh, it, it's good, right? It's good to see the offense get out there and, and pound some pitching, no matter the quality of said pitching. But uh, more importantly, it's good to see Bradley Lofton go out there and put together a great performance, his best performance in a Bulldog uniform. We'll talk about that more in our first segment of the show. Uh, but uh, spring practice is back in, and if, you, if you're not a member of jeanspage.com, you should be. Paul Jones had a really extensive list of notes and uh, depth chart stuff on our premium True Maroon message board. That's not available anywhere else. So if you kind of keep, want to keep up with the Bulldogs, you call yourself a you know, true Maroon Bulldog fan, you need to be a member of jeanspage.com so you can stay up to date with what's going on. We've got our premium VIP boards, of course, baseball, basketball, and football. And uh, so a lot of times we just put stuff on the board and uh, add some value to the membership because here's the deal, and I've said this before, and I'm not just sitting here tooting our own horn. Nobody's going to provide you more comprehensive coverage of Mississippi State Athletics than we are over at jeanspage.com. And just so you know, too, We've had four consecutive record months. You know, I took over the show up uh, last year, and uh, it's been great. It took us a little while to kind of get settled and everything else, and you know, it's a good thing working with professionals, people that know what they're doing, but uh, four consecutive record months. The site is growing. We're getting a lot of views, and you don't have to be a member of jeanspage.com to view our free content. We put a lot of that stuff out there on social media. You don't have to be a VIP member. You should be. But if you want to know what happened yesterday in practice and who did this and who was there and what recruits may have been there, you got to be a member of jeanspage.com. You do. Nobody else is going to have that. Paul did a great job with that yesterday. And, uh, you know, baseball is going on now. So, you know, we, it's good to have an army of folks because a lot of other people that work cover Mississippi State, they have one person. So they got to pick and choose. Either they can go to the basketball game, they go to the baseball game, or they can go to practice. It's tough to do it all. We've got an army of people that are working hard for you to produce the best content available today about Mississippi State sports. And so uh, full coverage of the game last night, too. You know, matter of fact, I wrote a Colton Ledbetter article this morning. We also do a lot of videos. Um, and what I mean by that is we do the uh, post-game press conference, and when we go on the road, not even the university does those videos. It's just us. So you can see and hear exactly what your coaches and players had to say post-game. Win, lose, or draw. Only available at jeanspage.com. Come by and check us out. 
Uh, let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I've had so many people here recently that have hit me up and say, hey, Steve, I've just tried them for the first time. The first question I have is, uh, you know, what are you doing with your life? But I'm glad you finally have taken the plunge here. The Bulldog Burger Company is an amazing place to go with friends and family and have a good time. Tonight, reminder, tonight, the Tap Takeover, Memphis Made Brewing Company in Tupelo, 5 to 8. So by the time you listen to this, you should probably be on your way. If you go, please hit me up and let me know how it went. I know we had very good reviews from the Tap Takeover they had in, uh, at the um, Ridgeland Flowood Lake Harbor Drive location. And so this is something new, and uh, we'd love to get some feedback. And I, I can tell you that uh, more of these are coming. And so Starkville, your time is coming too. Just be careful and be patient. Go have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Get the spring rolls. They'll make you be- better looking and everybody around you better looking. This kind of improves your disposition in life. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And that's where the tap takeover is tonight. Tonight, tonight, 5 to 8. And then, of course, um, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridgeland Flowood area. Get the dessert to go. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's break down last night's uh, win over Arkansas State. I'm not going to say it's an impressive win because of the fact that we're, we should always expect to beat Arkansas State. Matter of fact, we should always expect to win our midweek games, with rare exception, right? I mean, we're Mississippi State. We haven't always played that way, but uh, we should be able to go out and smash a G5 team's midweek pitching. We should, and we did. It's always good. You know, when East Carolina coming here for a midweek game, and that was a big game too because East Carolina, you know, is routinely in the field and, and has hosted some super regionals. But, you know, by and large, these midweek games that we play should always be a win for Mississippi State. Uh, and State's done a pretty good job of that this year with the exception of Louisiana Monroe. But uh, Arizona, Arkansas State comes in last night really, really struggling. We knew that kind of coming in. We knew it should be a chance for us to get a little deep in the roster, throw some guys. But really, the the big thing, I think, here is Bradley Lofton. We have talked at length about starting pitching. Now, I had a Major League Baseball scout and a cross-checker both tell me last year, heading into the draft, that Bradley Lofton was good enough to pitch for Mississippi State on Sundays last year. Not just because of State's challenges, but because of Bradley Lofton's talent. That he is a guy that turned down considerable money to come to Mississippi State. And when, you, when you're a lefty that can throw mid-90s, spot up a changeup, and then throw that slider in there from the same arm slot and the same arm speed, you're deadly. And Lofton has struggled at times with control, but he'll tell you it's all been within him. It's all his own mechanics and just kind of stay mentally locked in. He did last night. He was outstanding. Now, I asked Coach Amonis in postgame. How tempting is it to move Lofton to the weekends? We all know where this thing is heading. What's going to happen here in the next few years is you're going to have uh, Angelo Santi and Bradley Lofton is kind of anchoring your weekend rotation. That may happen this year. We've already seen Gerangelo come in. He's proven he can handle it. We'll see how he does this weekend. Uh, But, yeah, he had that bad first inning against Kentucky, and I was told prior to that it was the first time he'd ever pitched in a real game in less than 70 degrees, and it was miserable. It was miserable. It really was. But after that first inning, he bounced back. And so I think what you're going to see, and, of course, it depends on getting guys back and getting them healthy, I, I could see a situation where maybe mid-April that Lofton and Sanchi 
are locking down your weekend. I think that's, that's where we're trending. And I think last night was a step in that direction. I think we needed Lofton to go out there and pitch a clean game without a bunch of walks. He leads the staff in walks. And a lot of that's just getting comfortable on a college mound. But uh, his development is there. You know, he's starting to get some experience. And, and, you know, listen, it helps when you go out there and throw up a four spot in the first inning. You can relax because, you know, one swing can't hurt you. But uh, it, good, good, good effort last night from Lofton. Really pleased with him. So let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, Lofton immediately gives up a single, right? <laughs> it's crazy how life works, right? You go out there and say, hey, let's pound the zone and get out of this thing, you know? And we give up a single right back up the middle from Will French. No proof. But I'm going to go ahead and claim this, that I think Will French from Arkansas State may be a descendant of William Henry French uh, from Young Guns 2. I'm, I'm going to claim it, and I hope he does too. And if you've never seen the movie, you don't know the reference. I'm from the 1900s, back when movies mattered. All right, we get Burris to foul out to third, and then Hager strikes out looking, Darcy strikes out swinging. And again, listen, when you when you pound the zone, you're going to get hit every now and again. You give up a leadoff single, you pitch around it, retire the rest of the, the, the frame, you did good. Bottom of one, stay goes right to work. Amani Larry walks. And of course, we're, we're facing a freshman pitcher. You know, that kid's probably, you know, nervous. It doesn't matter if we play Mississippi State or Mississippi College when you're a freshman out there on the hill and uh, he hadn't started a whole lot. I think he'd only thrown seven innings on the year. You got to go out there and play an SEC team that's angry in their own home venue, you're going to be nervous. And he was. And he walks Amani Larry on four pitches, and then he hits Colton Ledbetter uh, with a pitch. And all of a sudden, it's kind of a reversal of fortune. It's usually us giving the free passes, but instead we get them here and we take advantage. Hunter Heinzen hits a hard ground ball through the right side. Run comes around to score. Now you got runners on the corner. They walk Aaron Downs, who hit cleanup last night. Aaron Downs is a very talented young guy. We've got to find a way to get him in, and maybe that, maybe the DH spot is his. Maybe it is. We've got to shake some things up. We've tried Connor Isaac there. Um, you know, we've moved some things around you know, with uh, Luke and and uh, Ross Highfield and Hunter Hines. Maybe getting Aaron Downs in is important, especially with Vandy throwing all these lefties this weekend. Maybe getting another right-handed bat in there is an important aspect of our offensive approach. After the walk, and the bases are loaded here, uh, Kellen Clark doubles to center field. There was really no doubt about that ball getting down. A couple runs score here. And then Clark is at second, Downs is at third. Dakota Jordan flies out to right field on a 2-0 count, but it was too short for the runners to tag in advance. Luke Hancock then hits a ground ball to short, pushes another run home, makes it 4 to nothing Bulldogs. And then Lane Forsythe, Tattoos one up, just hits it right at the center fielder, but that ends the inning. So even the outs, with rare exception, were loud here. You know, we're putting the ball in play, seeing the baseball well. And again, we're playing Arkansas State. I'm not going to sit here and oversell the Red Wolves. All due respect to Tommy Raffo. Well, then we come out after that and immediately walk a guy. Well, I say immediately. We had a decent at bat here uh, with Hoskin. You get ahead here, 0-2, and end up walking him. Okay, that can't happen. With a 4 nothing lead, you can't get ahead 0-2 and then lose a guy. And a lot of that, too, is maturity, right? We get jumper to strike out looking, and then Kale flies out to right. Campbell strikes out swinging. So, yes, we had the leadoff walk. For the second consecutive inning, the leadoff guy gets on and never even makes it to second base. 
All right, bottom of second, State goes right back to work and really puts this game away early, which is what you all expected and what you all wanted. David Marchand back in the starting lineup at third. Uh, singles to left field. Very well-struck baseball. Amani Larry puts the ball on the ground. It's an error at third. This ball was absolutely smoked. I have seen some official scores that would have called this a hit. I would have called it an error. It's not necessarily a routine play, but the ball's hit right at him with some juice. And it's a one-hopper, and he just just couldn't get it done. Uh, so maybe a debatable call, but I would have gone with an error. But the thing that I go back to is Larry absolutely smoked his baseball. Led better than singles to left. Love to see him going backside there. We talked about that some in postgame. Makes him a more complete hitter. Makes it more difficult to pitch him. Because here's the thing. If you go up there swinging for defenses all the time, people are going to work you away, work you away, work you away. You try to pull that ball, it's going to be a routine ground ball uh, to the middle infielders. Ledbetter takes it to the left side and then takes second on the throw. And uh, Mershon comes around to score, makes it a 5 nothing game. Hunter Heinsohn flies out to center field. It's an RBI sack fly, makes it uh, 6 nothing. Downs and singles to the left side again. Aaron Downs. Here we go. Of course, this is after the pitching change. This is pitcher number three. Downs, single to the left side. Ledbetter scores, makes it 7 nothing. Pass ball. We move up there. Clark then infield single. Just nowhere to go with the baseball. Ball hit deep into the, the six hole there, and the guy had to set his feet, kind of slipped a little bit. And Kellum, for a bigger guy, gets down the line really well. He's safe. Runners on the corners now. Kellum Clark then still second easily. Uh, Dakota Jordan, we've got to get Dakota Gordon to Dakota Jordan, we've got to get him going. We have to. He is one of our more talented players. The ceiling is there. Maybe we pushed him out there a little bit too early and asked a little bit too much, having him hit three hole. Maybe we did, but this guy's a stud. You got to get him in bats. You got to get him going. And there's only so much you can improvement you can make in BP. You got to be able to get live game reps to get better to see how people are attacking you. But uh, he flies out to right here. We we get the run home, and then they miss the cutoff man, and Kellum Clark comes around to score two. It is now a nine nothing ball game. Hancock then walks, four side singles to the left side, and Rashawn grounds out the second. So even after we, you know, put up. You know, five runs in the inning, State still opportunistic late and had a chance to make this an even bigger inning. It's 9 nothing. You know the game is over. All right, top of third. Uh, Greer lines out to left, so for the first time we get the leadoff hitter. Then French flies out to right. Then two out walks to the, of the devil. We talked about it before. We walk Burris on four pitches and get Hager to strike out swinging. So, again, at least one base runner, all three of the first three innings uh, for Lofton. A good outing but still some room for improvement. Bottom of third, they bring in McCormick, a big strapping left-hander. Uh, and immediately he walks Amani Larry. He goes second on the wild pitch. Ledbetter then doubles down the line and left. And here we are again working backside. I love to see it. Absolutely love to see a guy like Colton Ledbetter get up and handle the bat. Because a lot of these guys that have home run power, the temptation, of course, is to try to pull everything. He didn't last night. Great job doubling down the left field line. Amani uh, comes in to score, makes it 10 nothing. Hunter Hines follows up with a single back up the middle and Ledbetter scores. And that's on an 0-2 count. And you got to ask yourself, why are you catching so much of the plate with Hunter Hines up there? Aaron Downs in walks. And again, nice night for Aaron Downs here. Uh, Clark flies out to center field. Both runners tag in advance. Jordan then flies out to left. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tag and score. So Dakota Jordan, while he didn't fill out the box score, doing a good job here. It's a team game. It's not always about your batting average. And, again, it's back-to-back at-bats for Dakota Jordan where he elevates a, ba- elevates a baseball and enables the runners to tag in advance. 
Both of those end up scoring runs for us. Hancock singles back up the middle. Another RBI is in. It's 13-0. And then Forsyth grounds out to second. And one thing you notice in here, not a lot of strikeouts for the Bulldogs. Top of four, one of the best innings of the year for Bradley Lofton. It's a 1-2-3 inning. Darcy K swinging, three pitches. Thomas strikes out swinging, six pitches. Jumper strikes out swinging, five pitches. Great inning, right? You strike out the side, all of them swinging, and then you can see a little bit of swagger from Lofton if he leaves the mound, and I like it. I like it. All right, bottom of four, another pitcher in for Arkansas State as this has become a Johnny Holstaff bullpen day. Rashawn then singles to right field. Hull strikes out swinging. Led better than hits a tank to right. He's worked backside, backside. Now he hits a home run. It's 15-0 Bulldogs. Hines hits a little nubber out there. The catcher gets it, throws him out. And Downs grounds out the short. And again, Aaron Downs putting the ball in play. Top of five, Lofton back out. We get a ground out the short, and then there's a single down the first baseline. Just one of those balls just got pulled inside the bag. It's not anybody's fault. Again, that's just part of it. What do you want your pitcher to do at 15-0? You go out there and pound his own. Greyer then fouls out the first. French with an infield single here. Just one of those things that happens. He singles to third base. We just couldn't complete the play there. Now runners at first and second. Uh, wild pitch moves both of those guys up, but we get Burris to strike out swinging. So, again, traffic on the bases again, but we're able to navigate this. And that's the thing about Lawton that I'll say. At times, he pitches himself into trouble. I don't think he did that last night, but he's also good at pitching himself out of trouble. This guy's a competitor. And so, even when I think he does, he pitches his best at times when there's guys on base. That's an important aspect of baseball. Everybody is a different pitcher in the stretch. Everybody. There's something else to worry about, right? Your mechanics change a little bit. Everything changes. Uh, but this this is a kid, too. It's really bared down. And, again, I, I'm, I think he's a future first-rounder. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But when you can throw as hard as he does and you're as competitive as he is and from the left-hand side, I don't think there's any question. All right, so bottom of five, Isaac comes in and pinch hits for Kellum Clark and doubles to left center. That's good to see. He had some really, really awkward swings over the weekend. Dakota Jordan grounds out to first, but the runner moves on to third. And, again, Dakota Jordan – didn't fill out the box score, but, hey, you get a ground ball to the right side here. You'd love the base hit, but it's a productive out. Hancock and singles up the middle, and Connor Isaac scores. And, again, this is Dakota Jordan doing a job. Dakota Jordan moves the runner around, and the next thing you know, we get a single back up the middle, and he scores. It's good team baseball. You got to get productive outs. You're going to get out, right? You're going to get out at least 24 times a game if you're the home team. But you've got to get as much as you can out of those plays. And even if we're giving up and out, we've got to move runners. And, and he did. Nate Chester comes in and pinch hit. He's hit by the pitch. Mershon pops up to the pitcher. Pretty awkward play. You never see that. Mike Nima turned to me. That's something you don't see every day. I mean, just kind of a little soft liner right back to the pitcher. And then uh, Will Hall reaches on a fielder's choice to third base. And they uh, they get Hancock at third. So, one run in the inning, it's a 16-0 ball game. And uh, we were told early in the ball game there was not a 10-run rule, and it was because we wanted to get some work for some pitchers. And I'm sure Tommy and them probably felt the same way. We'll, we'll use this as a game to get some guys some reps. State substitutes liberally here in the sixth. Uh, Bryce Chance comes in at right. Seabrook goes to first base. High Zach to center. Nate Chester to third. Mershon moves over from third to short. And Aaron Nixon comes in. Aaron Nixon comes in. We haven't seen him since the opening weekend. It was an adventure, but it's still good to see him out there, right? 
because, as I've said many times on this show, called an educated guess, Nixon returns to form. It gives you some options with Nate Dome. Hager is then hit by the pitch. The very first pitch Nixon throws plunks him in the back. We get a fly out to right field. And then Thomas is hit by the pitch on the first pitch. Same location. We get up 0-1 on jumper. We hit him two bases loaded. We have hit by pitch. The base is loaded. And then we get Kale to strike out looking. And that was an impressive exchange right there. He throws a ball and then comes back and absolutely hammers this guy. It was five hitters or 15 pitches. That's what they had decided upon. Nearly got through five hitters with 15 pitches here anyway. And we bring in Casey Hunt again, who continues to show that he can be a reliable arm out of the bullpen. I don't know that he's a starter. I know that he would love to be, but I think using him in these, you know, one to two inning stance is probably good. And if he's rolling, let him go, right? Because that'll save you some arms. Campbell then strikes out swinging. Casey, good job there. So they lead the bases loaded. And I really thought they would score there, right? You look up and it's like, oh, it's it's one out and the bases are loaded. Something's going to happen. And we'll get back-to-back punchies to get out of it. All right, bottom of six. Uh, Bryce Chance singles to right. Siebert then singles to the right side. Good to see Vaughn get in there and have Chance swing a little bit. Downs flies out to center and we move the runner to third. Again, a productive out here. You'd like to see Downs hit this ball at the ballpark or get a double or whatever, at least extend the inning, but it's a productive out. Isaac then grounds into a double play. That's what we're trying to avoid. But one, that's one of the only at-bats you look at all game long and you look at and say, you know what, things didn't work out for us. More times than not, we're doing a good job running the bases here. All right, Cole Cheatham comes in to pitch the seventh. And Bryce Hubbard catches for the first time. He had pinched hit earlier in the year. Bryce Hubbard, a very talented freshman. We're very excited about him. And so Cheatham comes in. We hadn't seen Cole pitch in a long time. Uh, we, we walk Greer, and then we walk French. And that's what you don't want to do. When you're trying to win a job in a 16-0 ball game, you got to come out there and pound the strike zone. Took us a couple of hitters to kind of get going here, but we did. And then uh, it's a fielder's choice type deal. We get behind again in the count 3-1, and it's a fielding error short. Just couldn't get it done. Base is loaded now. So Cole is not. We've got two walks and an error in the inning. Base is loaded, nobody out. It's a ground ball back to the pitcher. And give Cole a lot of credit here. I mean, you've done this drill a million times. Calmly fills it, goes to the plate. We turn a one, two, three double play. You don't see that every day, but all of a sudden he's thinking, we may be able to navigate out of this thing. We get ahead 0-2 on Darcy and catch too much of the plate. Good job of hitting here, too. He pulls his ball down third base on a couple runs score, and then he bounces back and gets Thomas to strike out swinging. So uh, not a great inning. For Cole, but uh, it's good to see him back out there pitching. And he's a very talented left-hander, could be a good matchup guy for us. And down the stretch last year, you know, we were struggling. You know, Cole was the guy that stepped up and tried to compete for us. And so it's good to see him back and uh, available. Bottom of seven, uh, Jordan singles to left and Hubbard grounds out to second. Chester singles to the left side and then Mershon flies out to center field. So you know, even the game is, is elevated here, and there's a lot of separation. Dakota comes through there with a nice hit, and then uh, Chester. I don't know that Nate Chester shouldn't play more. And granted, I think he's hitting 600. Now, granted, he's playing late in ball games against uh, dilapidated pitching staffs, but his approach to the plate is good. 16-2. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, so top of eight. We jump back out there. Much, much better inning here. Jumper flies out to short right. Kale grounds out to the short. And Caskey grounds out to third. So soft contact all the way around. You love to see that. You love to see a guy bounce back after having some challenges and go out there and have people hit his pitch. So great job here. Uh, bottom of eight. We go quickly here. And, of course, we have, you know, we're really down the bench here a little bit. But uh, hole strikes out looking. Chance grounds out the short. And Siebert strikes out looking. So multiple at-bats for some guys, even though Bryce Chance is a regular starter. But uh, the thing that I go back to is the story of the eighth inning is Cole Cheatham coming back after being a little bit shaky there in the seventh and, and getting a one, two, three inning. And that's something that we've struggled to do at times. And so, again, good to see him back out there and good to see him bounce back within the same game after having a little bit of adversity there. All right, top of nine, and this is what closes it out here. We bring in Logan Forsythe, who is going to be an incredible pitcher for Mississippi State. Out of D'Iberville, we're really high on him. He's had some growing pains this year, but we like him. It's going to just take a little time. The guy's got electric stuff. They bring in a pinch hitter. He strikes out swinging. Uh, Vermas pinch hitter doubles down the line and left. They pinch hit again, uh, and Toller strikes out swinging. And then Hager grounds out to the shortstop. And there's your ball game, sixteen to two. Now we always expect to win these games, and we expect to win them with some pace, right? We expect to win these games kind of going away, so we can reward some guys that work hard every day, that may be behind some guys, give them some playing time. Playing time makes a happy dugout, makes a happy clubhouse. So the story of the night to me, not just offensively, is pitching. Bradley Lofton works five innings, three hits, no runs, nine Ks, two walks. You can live with that stat line every single day. I don't care who you're playing because, listen, our opponent is the strike zone. Doesn't matter who's in the other dugout. That's the challenge for us all year long has been the strike zone. When we win, it's because we dominate the strike zone. When we go out there and walk the ballpark, we lose. As a staff last night, 14 Ks and just four walks. That's a stat line you'll take every time. And I understand it's Arkansas State. I get it. Save your tweets. But the fact that we go out there and throw strikes, I mean, listen, you go back and look at that Louisiana Monroe game and see what happens when you walk the ballpark. Aaron Nixon goes just two-thirds of an inning, gets a 1K, and does have a three hit by pitches, right? I mean, that's... There's no, there's no overlooking that, but you look at the situation and begin to realize getting him back is huge for this team. We've got to have some guys on the back end of this bullpen that can shut things down. KC uh, just goes a third of an inning, but it's a punchy. And again, that's just five pitches for him. But you know, it's, again, I like KC in this role. Cole Cheatham, two innings pitch, one hit, two runs, two walks, a strikeout. Not great, but not bad. And again, that second inning of relief for him was outstanding. And Logan Forsyth, one inning pitch, one hit, 
uh, a couple a couple strikeouts there. So Bulldogs throw a grand total of 141 pitches in this ball game. Considering the separation in this game and how many guys we threw, it's a good number. Only one wild pitch on the day, too. That's been a challenge for us, too. But uh, as a staff, five hits, two runs, and again, 14 Ks, four walks. And uh, you throw five guys, get everybody a little bit of work. You know, the only way you get better is to play. There's not a lot of stress in practice. There's not. And, of course, there were not a lot of high leverage innings in this ball game because state offensively did so well. Uh, we, we pound out 18 hits, scored 16 runs. Three of them earned. Excuse me, 13 of them earned, excuse me. Uh, we walk five times and walk out just three times. That's a big number, too. The fact that we put so many balls in play. It's an important part of this. There were 24 outs in this ballgame of Mississippi State hitters, 10 ground outs, nine fly outs. You got to like it. Okay, Imani Larry, uh, 0 for 1, but had a couple of walks, right? Got, got things going. Uh, Colton Ledbetter, 3 for 3, 4 RBI, 4 runs scored. You can read a feature I wrote about him this morning and see the video of he and Bradley Lofton for free. Hunter Hines, 2 for 3. Stay hot, kid. 3 RBIs, 2 runs scored. No no big flies this weekend. And, and I mean, this week. Uh, last week he had 4. And everybody's going to be pitching him a little bit different. I think him hitting behind uh, Colton Ledbetter is good for us, too. Aaron Downs, 1 for 3, but also had a pair of walks. Three runs scored in an RBI. I'll take it, especially considering we're going to see so many lefties. Aaron Downs probably needs to be in the lineup. Uh, Kellum Clark, who has been has played well as of late, of course, he's always a bit of a slow starter. Uh, two for three on the night, two RBI, and uh, one run scored, of course, the big home run there. Connor Hyzak, one for two. Dakota Jordan, one for three. But again, a very productive night for him, a couple of RBIs uh, for him. Luke Hancock, two for three, three RBI for the captain. Uh, Lane Forsyth, one for three. Nate Chester, one for one. David Marchand, two for five with two runs scored. So, you know, up and down the order, we did a good job. And again, we should. It's Arkansas State. And and I I don't say that to be disrespectful to Arkansas State, but we're Mississippi State, right? We're expected, the team that's expected to compete for championships. Uh, Arkansas State in a different league than us. But we went out there and did what we're supposed to do. 16-2 win. Bulldogs make the one error. Marshawn makes it. And it's it kind of a tough play there, too. But, uh, you know, ball goes off the heel of his glove. It's kind of a soft uh, liner that uh, kind of took a bad hop on him. But, uh, you know, it's part of it. You know, but uh, good game for us. Uh, pretty excited about the result. But, uh, listen, we've been here before, right? It, what matters is what happens on the weekends. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that midweeks don't matter. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. And, and the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee doesn't subscribe to that either. You think a midweek don't matter, then lose one, right? That's an important aspect of this. So we, we took care of things, and uh, and now we'll see what happens. We'll preview the Vandy series on, uh, on Friday's show. But uh, this is a real test for us. It is a real test for us. Bulldogs now 14-8. and eight. Arkansas State falls to 7-12 and 12 on the year. And again, the quality opponent wasn't great. But the reality of it is the state went out there and did what good teams are expected to do and dominated the ballgame. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is my friend, your friend, a friend to all those in need. He is your friend in the mortgage industry. A lot of people want your business. Blair's earned it. 
21 years of experience in the industry, back-to-back top 1% close ratio in the country. You want the best person competing for you. You want the best person out there making things happen, a person who knows how to navigate through the labyrinth that is the mortgage loan origination process. They need everything. A note from your mom, a lock of your kid's first hair. So many things underwriters ask for don't make a lot of sense to me and you. It makes sense to Blair. Blair can prepare your file and ensure that you get a smooth, smooth process and get things closed sooner rather than later. Many of you have dreamed of owning a home, and maybe in the past, maybe you got saddled with the wrong loan officer, right? You didn't know. You just said, hey, I want to get this done. It's good to have somebody with the experience that Blair Chandler has. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Mention to him you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $500 value. Again, a lot of people say, hey, man, well, think of me. Blair's like, hey, think of me. But you know what? I'm thinking of you. I'm going to give you some benefit from doing business with us. Works with Fairway Mortgage. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction and mortgage loan origination. Stick with the winners. That's Blair Chandler at closetoblair.com. All right. Many of you have said, many of you have wrongly stated, because you think you know me, but you don't. You know, Steve's from the 1900s. You know, he's this 80s metal aficionado. He doesn't listen to the new stuff. Wrong. 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 I'm a serious Octane listener. That's Channel 37 on your dial. I do listen to Turbo a little bit. I do some Hair Nation and Ozzy's Boneyard, too. And occasionally I get over there and listen to Lithium. Occasionally. But there are sometimes you know, like, I'll listen to Lithium, and it's like there'll be one good song, and it's like two or three that make me want to like stare at my shoes and put on a flannel shirt and feel bad about myself. And so I just try to, you know, there's only so much that I can take. I want to have a good time. I'm not a Poison fan, but the most, you know, the quintessential song of the 80s, man. I don't need nothing but a good time. But anyway, I digress. So today we're going to do top 10 bands you, you need to know. New bands you need to know. And some of them aren't quite as new as others. But some of them are very new, and maybe they just got new music out. And so I'm going to give you 10 bands and 10 songs from modern rock bands that are being, currently being played on the radio right now. Most of them on Octane. I would say 9 out of 10 on Octane. The one that's not needs to be. But uh, I got a little something to say about each of these songs. And so if you are somebody looking to get into new bands, or maybe this is what you listen to all the time and you're just curious. I, I have people all the time on Gene's page and Facebook say, hey, Steve, check out this band here. And one of the bands that, um, it's ironic, I got two messages the same day about our number seven band, and I had just discovered them like the weekend before. So it's like we're all in the same cosmos. Like we're all, we're all just kind of floating along here on this orb that they call Earth. And we're having a collective experience. So here are my favorites. Now, I will give, tell you this too. The, the bride, uh, Dana, contributed to this list. I told her, I was thinking, hey, do you have a top 10 suggestion? She goes, well, nobody you probably haven't already done. I said, I'm thinking about doing new music. She goes, I can help with that. I said, well, give me some of your favorites, and I'll put in some of my favorites. I'll make a list out of it. And ironically, they're pretty much the same. She does like this overproduced kind of industrial sound, maybe a little bit more than I do. After a while, I just want to hear like I just want to hear like guys with long hair and tattoos just like play guitar and bass and drums and sing. But there's all these computers and laptops and you know like nowadays some of these bands like if they ever lost their tablets they wouldn't be able to perform a show right. But nevertheless, I digress. 
All right, number 10. And I was supposed to be in this band's video. And we couldn't work it out. I was on my way to New Mexico. Like they, they had a rain out, and they had to push it back a day, and I was already going to wait. I was going to go by, do my part in the video, head to New Mexico. But they had a rain out, and so you had to flip the schedule. So I had to miss it. So you won't see your good friend and host in the video. Uh, but it's uh, the this lead singer of this band is a Boneyard listener, and he's a huge Bulldog, and he's kind of Twitter famous. He is, uh, let's say he is the concierge of the Clown Motel. He will check you guys, you clown boys in whenever you want to get a little bit crazy on social media. And he'll call you whack. He will. It's our buddy Fred Harley in Storage 24 who released a new single that's doing exceptionally well. As a matter of fact, I've, uh, he's shared the Dirty 30 charts and we're seeing the song Anger Management continue to climb. So let's throw some support behind our fellow Bulldog here. Storage 24 recently reunited. And uh, in their video they had it here a couple years ago, Fred wore a Mississippi State jersey. So your number 10 song is Storage 24 as Anger Management. Be sure and throw Fred a bone here, right? This is one of our own reunited band that, listen, they've opened for some great bands. Give Fred and Storage 24 a listen. New track, Anger Management. Okay, number nine, a band that I really like. This is of the two songs they've released on this new album, I love them both, but I like the first single a little bit more. It's a band called Above Snakes. Above Snakes. And we're going to go with the song Down. It's kind of new metalish, okay? It's like, um, but it's not like Limp Bizkit, the early days of Limp Bizkit. But it is, uh, is kind of new metalish. I would say kind of more in the corn vein. But uh, I dig these guys. So check them out. Above Snakes, Down. Number eight, a band that we've had on the top ten list before. I love these guys. I mean, it's so hard to find good vocals these days because you never know who's really singing and uh, who is a product of a recording studio. But I've seen several acoustic sessions uh, with the band Bad Omens. I love that album, Finding God Before He Finds Me. I like it from start to finish. Limits is probably my favorite song on that album. They have a new album that's out now. And uh, they have a song that's been on the radio for maybe six months or more, and maybe you haven't heard it, but let me tell you, it's uh, Just Pretend from Bad Omens. I absolutely love the song. I love the vocal on it. love the message behind it. Number seven. Now, this band, is all. this came out of nowhere, and they have already built a pretty big following among the Octane Army. If you're unfamiliar with them, you should check them out. It's a band called Sleep Token. Sleep Token. Now, I really like the song Granite, but there is a breakdown at the end of the song called The Summoning that I absolutely love. It just changes the complexity of the song. I dig it, man. I absolutely dig it. So, number seven, Sleep Token, The Summoning. This is probably a band, provided they can get along, has some staying power. They have a very unique sound. And they've got a singer with a huge voice. Number six, this guy began as a bit of a novelty act on Instagram. He would basically take modern rock songs that were his favorites and he would remix them. And then he would sing over the top. And listen, his voice is very affected. Okay, it is. He is a studio gangster in many respects, but he's very creative. And so he covered Bring Me the Horizons. Uh, let me think what track it was. Anyway, he recovered to Bring Me the Horizon song, um, Can You Feel My Heart, and kind of made it a bit of a dance track. And 
Ali, the singer from Bring Me the Horizon, like shared the video and like his own reaction. And then the next thing you know, Jarris Johnson releases another one. And they cover Papa Roach's Last Resort that everybody knows. Well, then P. Roach gave him an opportunity to actually cover the song and they reimagined the vocals and they released it as a single and it was a hit. And now Jarris Johnson has a record deal. And um, he has a song called Friday. It's a little bit, got a risque part, I guess, but it's cool. It's a little bit young. But he also reimagined and reconstructed a Three Doors Down song called Kryptonite. And so it's not technically a cover, even though some of it is similar to the original. It's uh, it's kind of its own song. So that's your number six song, Jairus Johnson from Kryptonite, a hero from Instagram. And, and I don't know how long his 15 minutes last, but uh, it's been kind of interesting to watch that. Number five, a band that I actually discovered about six, seven months ago. I believe they were an Octane Accelerator, and now they're out on the road with some major bands. And uh, you look at this band's video, I mean, they don't look like rock stars. They sound like them. They don't look like them. It's a band called Day Seeker, and they have this great track called Without Me. That's basically, how can you feel the same without me? It's like you break up and, you know, how can you just kind of move on with life? It makes you wonder, you know, did you really love me in the first place? You know, and that's, we've all been there at some point. You know, it's like, I remember this. I remember the very first time that uh, Ani had a little middle school girlfriend and uh, they broke up. Everything was great and they broke up and he was devastated. I mean, you know, we all go through that, right? And uh, I remember one day we're sitting there talking and he was like, you know, she acts like it just wasn't a big deal. And I said, it makes you wonder if she ever really cared about you. And he got upset. He did. And, that, and at some point we all go through that. You know, somebody gets cold with us and you think, man, did, did I, was I wrong here? Because it's not just about losing the relationship. You begin to kind of lose your own identity. You're like, wait a minute. How could I have been so wrong about this? I didn't just read into this. You know, we had some good times. So all of a sudden, how did this happen? And so that's kind of what that song is about. It's like, how can you just go back to your regular life and your regular routine, your regular friends, and uh, this not mean anything to you? And at some point, I think we've probably all been there. A lot of it's an act, too, just so you know. A lot of it's an act. But there are some evil people out there. There are some people that, you know, will stay with you because it's convenient and not out of love. I'm I'm a firm believer in this. Don't do me any favors. All right, number four, a band that uh, I listen. I just I downloaded this track because I love it so much, and uh, it's just it's kind of similar. It's one of these breakup songs. It's about somebody going ghost on you. Like you send all these messages, you think everything is cool, and all of a sudden they quit responding to you, and you panic and you worry, and and then you don't ever have a reason. And that's kind of what it's about. Is you know, give me a reason. I need a reason. It's a band called Catch Your Breath, and the song is Dial Tone, even though we don't get a dial tone anymore. So it shows that these guys uh, have some old school references. But uh, this is one of those songs, too, that is, is kind of lighting the radio up a little bit. You're hearing it going into heavy rotation. E- eager to hear more from these guys. Again, that's Catch Your Breath. The song is Dial Tone. That's your number four song. Number three, I believe we've had this song on a top ten list before. I know we've had this band before. There used to be a band called Slaves. Uh, they fired their singer that they're in Slaves, and, and there was a negative connotation with that. Originally, the whole part of that, these guys were all in recovery. And so it was about being a slave to addiction, enslaved to self, enslaved to uh, grandiosity and, and excess. And so that's what the band was about. And so once they changed singers, they changed the name. And that was all, you know, right around when all the cancel culture stuff was very prevalent in society. They're a new band called Rain City Drive. Basically, it's the same band as for a new singer. You can still find the old stuff under the old name. But Rain City Drive, absolutely killing it. And uh, my wife 
when we were apart, when she was in New Mexico, uh, she had told me this song reminds me of us. And so that's all I needed to hear because she's I'm, I'm the romantic in this family, you know. Uh, but Sue, she told me that I went out and got the lyrics, uh, the, the chorus tattooed on my chest. I did. I wanted to show it meant something to me. It's a song called Blood Runs Cold. And uh, even when our blood runs cold, we find a way. It's a it's a love song, but it is uh, it's very upbeat. And uh, and I, I'll be honest with you, the, the, the lyrics and the breakdown don't match the rest of the songs. If I was producing them, I, I would have found a little something different to do. But uh, anyway, this is a song, you know, basically about, you know, and, and probably the, my favorite part of the song is like, you know, like if you ever break up or whatever, you know, it's like if you ever end up with somebody else, you know, be be clinical, hang on like an icicle. You know, it's just don't ever make anybody happy. But it's a, it's a great song, it means a lot to us. All right, number two, we talked about this band on Monday. They're not a, they're not a new band, but they're really just kind of breaking in America. And I gave you guys the secrets song. It was your number one song on Mondays, written by Wolves. This is a band here. I know they're from New Zealand, but if they, this was an American band, they would be everywhere. They're just kind of buried over there, but they're just beginning to break in America. And uh, we went with Secrets on Monday, but we're going to have Ridden by Wolves on the list today at number two. It's a track called Forever and Always, and I'm, I'm going to make a confession to you here. Uh, as a creative person, the person that, that elicits emotion from other people and a person that puts emotion into it, like especially when I write poetry and, and songs and things like that, I put my heart into it. Some, I'll cry sometimes while I'm writing it because you find that vein. It's like once you tap into it and you find the flow of emotion and you find the flow of authenticity, uh, you respond emotionally. And I think that's one of the reasons that so many people have responded to me is because I write with my heart wide open. This is one of those songs, and I'm listening to this song for the very first time. Riding down the road, just listening to this Written by Wolves album, enjoying all the, uh, you know, the industrial sound of all of this, and just rocking along, and all of a sudden, the last track on the album comes on. And it's called Forever and Always. And that sounds like an 80s love song. It is a love song, but it's not in the same vein as the power ballad. But... It's basically, and, and you makes me made me wonder if it wasn't written during COVID, but um, but nevertheless, basically it's about if you're facing the end of the, of the world, like if if this is the end of the world, then I want to spend it with you. There's nothing I would, nothing in this world I'd rather do than kiss you and tell you I love you. Now that sounds kind of sappy, but I'll tell you, it's an upbeat song. It's kind of up tempo, but it's a love song. It's not just some ballad. And the very first time I heard that, I just, I just, I felt tears in my eyes. I'm like, this is the real deal here. And of course, you know, that's how I feel. You know, there's nobody I'd rather be with than my wife. Like if things are ending and we find out like an hour from now that uh, there's a nuclear bomb about to hit, you know, there's no escape from that. You know, that sounds a little bit, you know, like hyperbole, but you know, if we knew that was happening, that's who I'd want to be with. I'd want to spend my last moment with her. And so this song is kind of like that. And so I think at some point, you know, we all go through that, you know, uh, but there's nothing like real love. And so this is the song. It's really about that. And so, again, it's not a sappy ballad, but uh, there is obviously some very emotional aspects of it. And, and uh, I think this written by Wolves band is probably just beginning to get going. Number one for me, this is actually an unsigned band. I tweeted about them yesterday. 
They're about to drop a new single next week, a song called Numb. It's from Memphis, Tennessee. It's a band called Sleep Theory. We had Sleep Token earlier, so we're sleeping a lot these days. Sleep Theory out of Memphis, Tennessee. And I will be going to watch these guys perform at some point soon. I know they're playing the Bill Street uh, Music Festival. I was not very familiar with them when we did that list of the Bill Street bands. But in my estimation, this is the best new song on the radio. It's a song called Another Way. There's also a tuned-down acoustic piano version where you can kind of hear the authenticity of the singer. But I love the production value on this one. I love the percussion on this. And again, this is an unsigned band. They won't be unsigned for long. They probably already have gotten a record deal. They were an octane accelerator. I have no idea who discovered these guys, but they're right up the road from us in Memphis. Absolutely outstanding. A band called Sleep Theory, number one track today, Another Way. So that's your top 10 list for today of new bands you should know. And speaking of Memphis, I didn't include... uh, Memphis may fire. They've been around for several years now. But uh, if, you're look, if you're a modern rock aficionado and you're looking for something cool, that new Memphis may fire album is incredible. I love it. I, I, the last three albums from Memphis may fire have been incredible. All right, so there you go. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. The best way to do that is to hit up me or Roy. I'm trying to do better. On social media, you can find me at all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. Roy, of course, is on Spotify and Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. I would suggest you give Roy a follow anyway. Uh, let's boost Roy's self-esteem a little bit because he's not going to be like tweeting out pictures of his cat or his car or his food. It's usually all this Mississippi State stuff and our great list on the top 10 list. And you can find him on Spotify. I'm very grateful to Roy uh, for being my friend and also being a part of this show. And uh, we correspond, you know, throughout the week. And a lot of times I'm um, He'll text me after a ball game, and you know he's feeling the same things I'm feeling. He's a bulldog all the way, and uh, appreciate Roy and his family. So be sure and follow him on Twitter and uh, and Spotify. And uh, listen, we've got some ideas here. We always do, and sometimes I look at our list of what we haven't done yet, and it doesn't really move me. So we're always looking for for new things. I don't want to like you know go do like the Alan Parsons project or something. You know what I'm saying? Just uh, you know, come on, give me a break. It's not going to move the needle, man. But uh, I think this one will. Again, the new blood music is that you need to know. And if you're looking for something super cool, I guarantee you this. You listen to this top 10 list, there's going to be three or four of these bands. You're going to catch your, your fancy here. You're going to be like, you know what? Hey, where have these guys been? I'm happy to provide that to you as a service. All right. Next segment of the show brought to you as always by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Be sure and check them out next time you're in town. Miss Kathy Brown and the staff, they're doing an amazing job providing Mississippi State merchandise for a wonderful fan base that many of you are in need of outfitting your family. Maybe your kids have outgrown last year's Bulldog wear, and maybe it's time for you to get on the Internet and order some more merch. If you can't make it to town, that's the way to go. Visit them at campusbookmart.net. Buy Dad a shirt, too. He wants one, even though he won't say it. Buy him a shirt and a cap, too. Let him know you love him. CampusBookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Roberts, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over seventy-five bucks. Any order less than seventy-five bucks, absolutely incomplete. And many of you are putting together a bulldog room or a man cave or something of that nature. Plenty of decorative items there for you to choose from, and uh, the Mike Leach uh, jerseys and fleeces or whatever you want to call them, those are still available too, and uh, those are acceptable to wear to any sporting event. 
involving Mississippi State. Be sure and check it out today at campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's take a look around the league last night. Full slate of games last night. Uh, Lipscomb and Vanderbilt did not play. Vanderbilt now ranked fourth in the country. They're up from six to four as they uh, sweep Ole Miss over the weekend. Uh, Lipscomb, of course, is a, a team that we know pretty well. We swept them here as of late, too. But uh, that game did not get played. The Battle of Nashville didn't get played. Game was canceled. Arkansas, 12-2 winners over Southeast Missouri State. Arkansas, a team that a lot of people expected to take a step back this year. So far, off to a good start. 19-2 overall, 3-0 in the SEC. And don't forget, Arkansas has lost tons of pitching. But yet, here they are. And, uh, you know, of course, they had uh, Auburn last weekend. Auburn a little bit challenged offensively, but uh, it will be interesting to watch. Uh, Kentucky wins again last night. 9-3 winners over Eastern Kentucky to advance their winning streak now out of 15 games. 19-2 overall, 3-0, of course, in the league. Ranked 23rd in the country. Eastern Kentucky given uh, Kentucky uh, really a, a game for much of the ball game, and then Kentucky kind of explodes late. It's interesting, too. I've seen a lot of our fans kind of downplay Kentucky. I've told you on this show that I thought Kentucky was a bit of a dark horse in the East. Not that I expect them to win it, but I think that they have a chance to do better than many people anticipate. Currently 10th in the, in the nation in ERA and 19th in hitting. And when you're top 20 hitting and top 10 pitching, you're going to win a lot of ball games, and they have. 19-2. and two, that's a really, really good mark at this point. And when you consider that one of the losses came the first weekend to Elon, they've won a lot of games over the course of the last month. All right, Georgia gets by Georgia State 8-3. to Georgia 14-7. and The challenge with the Georgia Bulldogs, with Scott Strickland, it's always kind of been this way. They're just kind of average offensively. They get nine hits last night, score eight runs. But uh, Georgia always seems to have good pitching, which keeps them in ball games. And they, get, they usually have just enough offense to make it interesting. But a nice win for them. South Carolina upset last night by Charlotte. The 49ers uh, host the Gamecocks and win 6-2. to Kind of knocked South Carolina midweek pitching around a little bit. 11 hits in the ballgame for Charlotte. Uh, South Carolina now 20-2 and overall, 3-0 and in the SEC. Made a couple of errors in the ballgame that opened the door for uh, Charlotte to have a little life here. And of course, that's a big win. For the 49ers, really big win. And a couple of years ago, we were talking about the possibility of, of Charlotte being a team that could even get to the Supers. You know, you always want to have that um, you know, Conference USA, which that conference is not what it once was, but uh, Conference USA host. And Charlotte, at the time, was the best one. Tennessee bounces back after a difficult weekend in Columbia, Missouri. Seven nothing winners over Western Carolina. Not that you expected anything less. But I've got a lot of questions about this Tennessee team. What is happening in Knoxville? A lot of people are talking about what's going on in Starkville, Mississippi. What's happening with Tennessee? They're now 16-6 and six overall, but to lose to Missouri, a team that's finished last in the East uh, back-to-back years, to sweep Tennessee, who was number two in the country. And you go back to the opening weekend, you know, Tennessee loses his first couple ball games, then lose a midweek game to Boston College, then they get swept by Missouri. They still got to play Florida. They still got to play LSU. They got to play Arkansas. You know, this Tennessee team could not could could be an underachieving team. Of course, Tony Vitello, a great coach, but um, you know things have, are not peachy in Knoxville. 
Florida, nine five winners over Florida State. Florida kind of quietly putting together a good season. A lot of people, including myself, thought they would win the East or at least compete with Florida, with Tennessee for the I picked Tennessee to win in Florida uh, second. But uh, you, you look at this, offensively, I think Florida is a little bit better than we expected. They, they get 14 hits last night. They allow 10, too. But uh, Fl- Florida State, obviously, you know, a very good uh, midweek opponent. Great weekend opponent, too. But uh, they win that game in Tallahassee. Uh, Alabama gets off the schneid, and they beat UAB. Of course, Alabama takes game three against Florida over the weekend to salvage something on the weekend. But uh, I am not sold on this Alabama team. I think they're good. I don't think they're great. I think SEC play will show that. I just don't think offensively they're quite what they need to be. We got to go over there and play here in a few weeks. Uh, so, again, 12-2 winners over the Blazers of UAB. 13 hits for Alabama offensively. And of course, State beats Arkansas State 16-2. Again, 18 hits for the Bulldogs. I, th- I think that's the high of last night. I don't think anybody in the SEC had as much offensive success as Bulldogs did, and, and they didn't. 16 runs, 18 hits on the night. Auburn survives a tough game with South Alabama, and that's always a tough midweek game. South Al, one of those teams that really gets up to play. And uh, South Alabama, you know, gets down in this ball game 5-0. They battle back with two in the seventh. Auburn answers with one in the bottom half. And then they put up three in the eighth against an Auburn bullpen. It's supposed to be pretty good. And then Auburn is able to close it out there in the ninth. But, uh, you know, interesting ball game. South Alabama limited to six hits. But four Auburn errors allowed them to kind of stay in the ball game. And 6-5 is your final. The Tigers now 14-6 and and 0-3 and in the league after that uh, trip to Fayetteville. Uh, Texas A&M, it took a while, but they finally got it done. Texas A&M ranked 21st in the country. A lot of people had them as kind of the sexy pick, kind of the trendy pick in the West. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I th- even though they return you know, a core nucleus of players. Um, interesting. Interesting dynamic. Uh, but Rice gets ahead in this ballgame, 3-0. A&M ties it in the bottom half of the third and then takes a 4-3 uh, lead in the fourth. They expand it to 5 in the sixth, 5-3, to three, excuse me. And then in the eighth, they put up 2, and you think it's over. It's not. Rice comes back. A&M blows the save opportunity. Rice with four runs in the ninth inning to make it a 7-7 ball game, and then A&M walks it off. In the bottom half of the ninth, 11 hits for both teams. But, um, again, you expect to win those games. Rice at one point was a college baseball power. It's amazing what happens when need-based aid is removed from the equation. You saw that happen at Tulane. You see it happening at Rice. A lot of people tried to follow the Vandy model and just eventually abandoned those opportunities, and Rice is one of those programs. Uh, Ole Miss, 11-1 winners over Arkansas. Pine Bluff, you'd expect that. Rebels with a tough weekend uh, looking to bounce back. Rebels now 15-6 and six overall, 0-3 in the league, uh, currently ranked 13th. We'll see how things progress for them. You know, it's all about Hunter Elliott. And, again, you talk to enough people, you can hear what you want. A lot of people are saying that he's hurt worse than they're saying. Other people are expecting him to return to form. You know, we certainly hope that's the case for him. Uh, but this Ole Miss pitching staff got absolutely knocked around the yard last weekend by a Vanderbilt team that's kind of struggled to score. So does that mean that Vandy's been lying in the reeds or perhaps this Ole Miss pitching staff isn't what we expected? Uh, but Arkansas Pine Bluff just six hits, and that's, you know, you wouldn't expect anything less than uh, an SEC team to, to smash a team like that. Again, 11-1 winners. 
And then LSU, 10-4 winners over Central Arkansas. The Tigers bang out 13 hits. LSU now 19-2 overall, 2-1 uh, in the SEC, and number one in the country in Central Arkansas with three errors in the ballgame. Certainly doesn't help when you're playing down Alex Box. Now, only one game on the schedule tonight, and that's going to be uh, Missouri versus Kansas. Missouri kind of the kind of quietly becoming a nice story in college baseball. You know, they win that tournament earlier in the year that most people expected them to be an all-saran team in, and then they sweep Tennessee. It is impossible to ignore what's happening now with Steve Beach's ball club in Columbia, Missouri. It's impossible. They win that tournament, you think, okay, well, that's a cute little weekend. You take down the number two team in the country, and you sweep them, and none of those games were even really competitive. It wasn't like it was a fluke. They absolutely beat them to death. So, interesting. Now, there is one Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. It's Georgia and Auburn. And this are two 0-3 teams, two teams that really struggled last weekend. This is a big weekend. Because somebody here is going to be likely 1-5 or worse in the conference. It's a three-game series. Somebody's got to win two, right? So somebody is going to get a couple wins or more. And somebody's going to drop to at least 1-5, possibly 0-6 in the league. And to be 0-6 in the league at this point, even though there's still eight SEC weekends to go, that's not a good development. So Auburn and Georgia, that's your Thursday night game. Uh, the fact that it's played at Auburn, I like Auburn, but these are two teams, again, offensively, that are a little bit, a little bit questionable, shall we say. Now, we'll preview the rest of the weekend uh, once we get into uh, to Friday. But uh, just to kind of give you a quick overview of kind of who's playing who. It's A&M. A&M is at Tennessee. Missouri is at South Carolina. Now, that could be a dicey series right there. And, of course, Vanderbilt is here. Georgia is at Auburn. Kentucky's at Alabama. I'm eager to see how that series goes. Because based on what I believe today, I think Kentucky's better than Alabama. I will not be the least bit surprised if Kentucky goes into Tuscaloosa and gets that series win. Florida, of course, is at Oxford uh, against Ole Miss. And that's the thing you think about for a team like Ole Miss that uh, you know, struggled against Vandy pitching. You know, Florida has always got front-line pitching. How will they handle the weekend? Could be a difficult weekend for the Rebels. And then Arkansas is at LSU. That's your marquee series of the week. Two top five teams going at it. And uh, you feel like Arkansas can get one, but, man, if Arkansas could get them both, it could really upset the balance of power a little bit here. And again, Arkansas, a team we expected to be good, not great. Got off, off to a great start. And then we'll see what happens this weekend. And, uh, you know, Paul Skeen's a big difference maker. If we'd gotten him, we'd feel a whole lot better about life. That guy may be the best thing in college baseball. Could be a future Golden Spikes winner. But uh, excited about the weekend, as you should be as well. And uh, make plans to attend. You know, attendance last night at Duty Noble was, uh, was moderate, to say the least. Uh, it's cold. And then there's a lot of people, too, that are like, you know what, I just don't want to go out there. Um, uh, reported attendance was 9,215. It was nowhere close to that. Nowhere close. I would say maybe a third of that. Maybe, maybe, maybe a third of that. Traffic in the concourse was not uh, heavy at all. Usually Mike Nemeth and I go down and grab a hot dog or whatever and some peanuts because uh, we're old school. And uh, there's people that come by and say hello. It was it was probably as thin as I've seen all year. And uh, I was a little bit later getting there uh, than normal. So that that's your baseball uh, schedule kind of coming up here. And I think those are some things to get excited about. But uh, Bulldogs got to keep the momentum from last night kind of moving forward. And my hope is we had a wake-up call last weekend in Lexington 
I don't know that we believe we could just show up up there and kind of go through the motions and win a ball game. But uh, Kentucky, a better team than I think maybe we gave them credit for, at least some of you. And um, are they going to win the league? No. Are they going to make tournament? I say yes. I say yes. And I think this weekend will be very, very interesting over in Tuscaloosa. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I've told you guys many, many times before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I moved back here in 14. If I was moving now, I would move to Portico. Uh, it'd be a very easy decision for me. I'd love to be that close to campus. 1.1 miles away from all things maroon and white. Neatly tucked away in a nice little neighborhood. You turn off 82 on a 12 leg going to campus, the very first right pad station road. You take it, get to the four-way stop, boom, there's Portico. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and get anything in between. You can get a custom build if there's things you need that can accommodate you. Uh, phase one's completely sold out. Phase two, nearly sold out, but there are some homes available. There are also some lots available, and you can have a say in picking out your lot, picking out your housing plan. Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. And then get you going. Whether it's your ballgame weekend retreat or perhaps your future retirement home or your primary residence, which we would prefer, we're just happy to have you around. Come be our neighbor. And make Portico your next move. All right, let's, uh, let's do a bit of a recruiting reset here. You know, we're having some guys on campus. And uh, we do expect, obviously, it's going to be a full class, you know, because, of course, you don't have the annual signing limits anymore. And as long as you're at 85, right? And so, Josh Flowers, your quarterback commitment, that was a little bit unexpected. You know, he came in, and next thing you know, he's ready to go. Um, You know, what we're told is that his recruiting process is over, that he's not going to continue to entertain other offers. He had a lot of offers early on. And I uh, just decided, you know what, this is it. I'm happy with this. It's not far from home. It's a chance to play in the Southeastern Conference. He and his coach were on campus yesterday. Uh, Baker High School, Dynamo Bill, is the same high school that gave us um, – I, I, I should have had my, my numbers together here. I was trying to do it from memory. And it was Blaine Clausell. Yes, finally. Thank you. That old memory comes through for me. But Blaine Clausell, people forget this. Blaine Clausell – was a, was a grinder in high school and then gets up here and basically has to start his first game against South Carolina and Jadavion Clowney and absolutely shut Clowney down. So this is a high school program that knows what it takes to develop players. And so now you go out there and you get the quarterback, Josh Flowers, and uh, you feel really good about the direction of that. And so I think we can feel confident. Is it, is it a two QB class? That's to be determined. But you've got a great building block right now, and to get your quarterback first, that's so huge. And then we get T.J. Lockhart, offensive lineman uh, out of Winona. We've talked about him recently on the show. Uh, recently rated three stars by the 247 Sports Network. Uh, got an 87, a little bit raw on his development. We'll see how things go. Currently ranked among the top 20 players in the state of Mississippi. And we're going to get to that here shortly. Uh, but it, it's a good start. You go out and you get an offensive line prospect. You get a quarterback. There's a lot of offensive skill in the state this year. There is a ton of defensive linemen in the state this year. It's absolutely amazing. Now, recently, Jamonte Waller uh, from Picayune was elevated to five-star status. Now, I have not watched him yet, but it's been interesting to watch how a player like him kind of comes out of obscurity and uh, you know, plays at a solid program like that. 
So I'm eager to see what happens in his recruitment. You know, he's out making the rounds, and um, you know, and I know Auburn is on him really hard. And again, this is a guy that um, you know we didn't have you know a ton of juice early on with, and uh, it's pretty crazy. He has uh, got you know, offers from so many people around the country: Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, and many, many others. And so, again, it just shows you how good this defensive line class is in the state of Mississippi that you have two five-star defensive linemen. And then you look at the, uh, the top four players in the state are all defensive linemen. Jamonte Waller from Picayune, Kamarion Franklin uh, from Lake Cormorant, Jeffrey Rusk from Pascagoula, who is a true three-tech. And those, those players come at a premium. And then Cameron Beavers from Bay Springs High School. Also, a true three-tech. Could be a nose. We'll see how things go with him. Uh, recently, Narelle White from St. Martin High School committed to Arkansas. Don't know how that thing sticks, but we'll see. Um, but, you know, good on the Razorbacks for going down there and getting a player. There was a lot of discussion early on that Narelle may, may commit to Ole Miss, may commit to LSU. State had some juice early. I don't think his recruitment is over by any stretch of the imagination. But that's a good early commitment for Arkansas. Daniel Hill from Meridian, <clears throat> currently ranked in the top 10. I'll be honest with you, of the guys in the top 10, he is one of those guys that I think we could see finish outside of the top 10. Uh, we'll see how things go with him. Currently ranked a four-star player. Uh, out of Meridian High School, that school's been very good to us. But I'm eager to see what he runs. I, I haven't seen any uh, third-party objective measurements and uh, 40 times for him, I haven't, I, to be honest with you, I haven't really dug for him. But I'm eager to see how well he runs because on tape, he does a good job at the point of contact, he does a good job kind of getting in there competing. But I'm eager to see what his full foot speed is. J.J. Harrell, a wide receiver that I thought was headed to LSU, is now committed to Tennessee out of North Panola High School. I don't think that recruitment is over by any stretch of the imagination. I'm told that he will likely take official visits. And then there's Stonka Burnside, Starville High School. Now, depends on who you talk to with him, kind of what to expect. Uh, Burnside could be a guy that could be a wide receiver, could be a safety. I like him at safety. Uh, He's a very, very outgoing and gregarious young man. I think this guy could be a leader. Uh, Talking to Chris Jones and those guys at Starkville High School back at camp last year, they believe Stonka's best football is to come, as it should be. Uh, Will this be an A.J. Brown recruitment or a Willie Gay recruitment? Yeah, I've heard a little bit of both. I've heard that, that he would like to get out of Starkville. I've had other people say that, you know what, that he'd love to go play at Mississippi State, but he's going to enjoy the recruiting process. I think that he is going to be a big-time safety. I think he's a guy that works hard and stays healthy, could be in the National Football League someday. There's Julius Pope, a linebacker out of South Panola. It's been a while since South Panola really had somebody like this, right? I mean, it's been a while. You know, for years, that's what we always heard. South all this, and that's when they were rolling, right? And uh, now all of a sudden, Julius Pope has put together a nice offer sheet uh, claiming offers for some big-time schools, Alabama, Arkansas, Louisville, Michigan, and Oregon. Not exactly uh, up-to-date with him. I haven't watched him yet, but this is a guy, too. Again, it just shows the depth of this class. And I said last year, it wasn't a great year. This year was going to be a great year uh, for recruiting in the state of Mississippi. And there's so many great defensive prospects and with Zach Arnett being a defensive coach, I think that benefits us. Now, Conan Daniels, we're starting to see some people project him to go out of state. He's a running back out of West Point. 
Uh, I still believe, no matter what happens with him in the spring, that ultimately he's going to wind up at Mississippi State. That's what I believe. It's what I expect to happen. I think that he is a guy, too, that um, can probably play in any system. You know, it's a run-first system at West Point. Coach Chambliss has guys do an amazing job playing with a lead. If, if they ever get two scores on you, the game is over, right? I mean, it's just they're going to get in the, kind of like Picayune. They're going to get in that unbalanced line and just wear you out all night and force you to fit gaps. And uh, they do a really good job of getting their guys out on the edge and set up mismatches with DBs. And when you've got a physical back like Conan Daniels, it certainly plays to your advantage. Caleb Moore is a guy that's been on the Mississippi State campus a lot, another defensive line prospect, and the state is absolutely flush with defensive line prospects this year. I mean, you're not going to be able to get them all. You're not. But you're going to be able to get your share more, more likely in state than out. This is one of the deepest defensive line classes that I have seen in Mississippi in my career. I've been doing this since 97. You got some sure enough guys this year in state. I like where State stands with Caleb Moore. There's still some ways to go here, but, uh, you know, it helps. State has done well at Oak Grove in recent years. It wasn't always the case. We had some people working against us for years down there, but we've kind of cracked in down there. Jaden Cromedy, of course, had a good experience here. Robert Johnson, Jay Hughes kind of opened the door for us down there. And we had to battle and battle and battle on the Robert Johnson thing up until the very end. We had some locals down there working against us. But, uh, again, Oak Grove has been good to Mississippi State. And uh, State's been good to grow. But Caleb Moore is a guy I could see him in the class when it's all said and done. You, you kind of got to figure this thing out. You know, who do you prioritize? And that's why I'm glad you've got a guy like David Turner. David Turner knows an SEC defensive lineman when he sees one. He knows a guy that's got good growth potential. He knows a guy that could potentially go on and play in the National Football League. And so all of that is important. We have perhaps the best defensive line recruiter we've had in 20 years back on campus a guy that knows the state, the state knows him, we're going to get some really good defensive linemen. Do we get all the marquee guys? Probably not. But we're going to be able to get some guys we win football games with. Uh, Tristan Jernigan out of Tupelo High School is a linebacker. Of course, Chad Bumpus is all over him. Uh, if you've watched his film, this is a guy, too, that's uh, rather interesting. You know, rather interesting guy. He will hit you. He absolutely will hit you. P.J. Woodland's a guy people weren't sure if he was a wide receiver or a corner or a safety. I like him at corner at this point. I think he has the quicks to pull that off. Uh, Mississippi State doing exceptionally well with him. He's good friends with Jalen Abram, who's a Mississippi State signee. Uh, so, you know, good chance that we get P.J. in the class. I think that's really a matter of when rather than if. Isaiah Autry out of Edwamba Agricultural High School. Uh, our Paul Jones reports he's expected to be on campus this week. Uh, his first visit of the spring. And this is a guy, too, that's, you know, State's got some people around him. Uh, but, you know, Ole Miss was considered to be the early favorite by some. I was told even back then that it's too early to really declare a favorite. Of course, uh, you know, State doing a good job with Isaac Smith up there last year, and uh, nobody's going to pick a, a school over a friend. But the reality of it is is that it, it doesn't hurt to have a guy on the inside kind of telling him, hey, here's what's happening here. You can like this guy. This is a good situation. Uh, Anthony Maddox is a quarterback out of Oak Grove, is committed to A&M. He has also recently visited the Mississippi State campus. Again, I think in the end this is going to prove to be a, a two-quarterback class, and it may be a situation where you take Trey Petty from Starville High School. Uh, Terrence Hibbler from Holmes County Central, again, another defensive line prospect. I, I think it's just going to be a Mississippi State guy when it's all said and done. I really do. I've already put my crystal ball pick in. But this is a guy here that's got a ton of offers. I've seen him in person. 
big square body type, also kind of long limbed. So he can get people off of him. It's a guy that can really play. State's offered uh, William Ackles, an uh, offensive lineman out of Houston, Mississippi. I don't think State's going to have to go out of State for a lot of their needs this year, especially on the offensive and the defensive line. And I think Eccles is probably a guy you look at and uh, a little bit of a developmental guy, but it's 6'4", 290. Also kind of long limb guy. You feel pretty good about him. Uh, Zyron Brown's another guy, too, a little bit farther down the list that uh, State has not offered yet, but he had a really good camp last summer. We had a chance to see him in person. I really liked the direction of things with him. I skipped over San Francisco McGee, one of the more electric players in the state. He's been on the Mississippi State campus, too, and uh, he was the guy that I was a little bit worried about his size. He comes to campus and looks like he is legit. Patrick Broomfield at a Clarksdale High School. You know, State's been good to Clarksdale High School over the years and vice versa. Eager to see what Broomfield does. I believe in the end he'll ultimately be a uh, Mississippi State Bulldog. So, that's kind of where things look today. And again, it is a very, very, very deep class in Mississippi this year. Very deep. And I think that's good considering Mississippi State's commitment to in-state recruiting this year. We're going to put our money where our mouth is, right? We're going to get out there and we're going to put coaches on the road. And uh, I know Zach Arnett has said, you know, when you look at the percentage of NFL players that held from the great state of Mississippi, we'd be fools not to recruit this state. He said it on signing day. So state's going to be very active. And uh, of this class, I expect the majority of the class to be from Mississippi. I've always said that when all things are equal between two players, you take the kid from Mississippi over the out-of-state kid, a couple reasons why. Number one, those kids are less likely to transfer. Number two, those kids understand what it means to play football in Mississippi. They understand the importance of the rivalry. But also, too, if you're going to continue to recruit heavily in the state, you need to have some guys they know on campus. That's one of the things with out-of-state recruiting that it's difficult. When they show up on a campus and they don't know anybody, it's different when you've got, hey, these are guys that have been in the Dandy Dozen. These are guys that my brother played with or against. These are guys that I know from playing against them in high school. So it helps in relationship building when there is some semblance of a relationship between the recruit and some of your players already. That's one of the reasons the state was able to get Isaac Smith last year is he already had some friends that were on campus at Mississippi State. So it's not like, hey, I'm going to a new school. I'm going down there where so-and-so is, where my friends are. And so they came down here and had a good time, and then ultimately State gets Isaac Smith. And this time last year was around the time we began to hear that State was out recruiting everybody for Isaac Smith, and we still expected him to go to Ole Miss because of family ties there. But it was right around this time that we said, you know, State's going to make this thing interesting. And I remember reporting, I still expect him to go to Ole Miss, but – State is recruiting him like a priority and have made him feel like a priority. And then I ended up interviewing him, and he says, Mississippi State's recruiting me harder than anybody. Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, to be correct. And then Ole Miss began to fade from contention. Now, I don't know if it's a situation where Ole Miss just decided, hey, we can do better. I don't know how you could. And maybe they took him for granted and tried to come back on him late. And I know that there was some uh, propaganda out there about how they had recruited him the whole time through. Well, if that's the case, then basically you lost him to Mississippi State. You lost a legacy kid to Mississippi State. So you, you got to pick and choose. Either you didn't recruit him hard, which was stupid, or you did recruit him hard and you lost him to Mississippi State, which is stupid. So either way, it's a loss. But the reality of it is Mississippi State wins, and of course Isaac uh, on the shelf right now for spring practice. And, and that's, that's unfortunate because we really expected him to, uh, to compete for a spot on the two deep, and he still can this year. I think he's physical enough and talented enough. It's just a matter of can he do 
you know, the film stuff. You got to get up to speed and kind of learn the scheme and then get out there and execute at a high level. But, uh, you know, maybe that helps us with Isaiah Autry, and we'll see. But I really like the class. And I think it's going to be a great class for State. And I think another thing, too, it's going to be good for our business because I think State and Ole Miss are going to go head-to-head on a lot of kids this year. There's also going to be a lot of headline kids that have out-of-state offers, and you've already started seeing that, you know, with J.J. Harrell committing to Tennessee and uh, Norrell committing to Arkansas. You know, I mean, you've got some some out-of-state schools that have already had success in Mississippi. So I think it's going to be a very interesting year to follow in-state recruiting. Uh, And that's what happens when we get a star-studded class – they get a lot of these out-of-state offers, and so there's a lot of early decisions. And really at this point in the process, when it's an out-of-state school, really you're just telling them who the school's to beat. That's what Urban Meyer used to always say. When I see that they're committed to a school, it just tells me who I have to beat. It doesn't tell me who's going to get it. And that's how I think this thing's going to break out. So there'll be a lot of kids this year that I expect will take official visits to both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I think there'll be a lot of kids that'll wait and make a decision after their senior seasons. I think there'll be a lot of official visit weekends that uh, Paul Jones and I are going to be typing up a lot of stories that are going to be of intrigue, not just to Mississippi State fans, but fans around the Southeastern Conference. And so if you're a fan of recruiting, last year was a little bit ho-hum. Not the fact that uh, you know State didn't do a good job. It's just that there wasn't a lot of drama with high school recruiting in Mississippi last year. There really wasn't. Ole Miss barely signed anybody from the state of Mississippi. And they got a couple of guys, obviously – you know, with uh, Gid Perkins and Aide Williams, they're absolutely outstanding players. But they didn't recruit a lot. We didn't go head-to-head a lot. And not to mention, we all knew this time last year that if Aiden Williams stayed in state, he was going to Ole Miss. And Gid Perkins was always going to Ole Miss unless Alabama was able to flip him. You know, state really wasn't a factor in either of those recruitments. And so people kind of checked out on those. This year, I think it's going to be a lot different. I think there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to be pulled back and forth between state and Ole Miss. And I all may be a part of that. Uh, there are a lot of these guys, I'll tell you, they, they say NIL is not a big part of things now, but then, of course, when they get an opportunity later, you know, things can certainly change. But um, this is one of those years that I think that uh, people realize what a great job our coaches in the state of Mississippi do, cultivating talent, keeping them in the weight room, weight room getting them eligible. This is going to be an entertaining year. And it's not going to be for the meek. I'm just going to tell you now. There are going to be a lot of people like, Oh, I just can't stand all this drama. But yes, you can, as my wife says, that college football recruiting sometimes is like a soap opera for men uh, and some ladies. Uh, but the reality of it is, is this is what we kind of live for. It's what we've kind of built a business around. I mean, we cover the team, but also recruiting is a huge part of things. And uh, this is going to be one of those years that I think once we get into you know, the ballgame weekends, okay, well, who's here? Did so-and-so go to the state game or did they go to Ole Miss or did they go to Alabama? It's not going to be like it has been. The last couple of years, in many respects, I hate to say it this way, but it's been a little boring. And I mean that with as much love as possible, right? I mean, I really do. It's just, you know, when it's more entertaining, and it's certainly better for our business, when uh, State and Ole Miss are going head-to-head. And it's good for State and Ole Miss when they can hold off you know, a charge from a serious out-of-state program and keep a kid in state. I mean, of course, you know, we want to sign all the kids from Mississippi we can. We want the best players in state to go to Mississippi State. But it's going to be one of those years, I think, in many respects, that uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about. You know, I, I go back to just two years ago. You know, there was a lot of drama with Jaheim Otis, who was from my high school. I submit to you, even to this day, that uh, there's some people down there on the other side of the rivalry that thought they had an end with him that they proved to be incorrect. 
He ultimately signs with Alabama because that's what the kid wanted to do. Uh, Xavier Harris is a guy that, that year, too, that uh, went to Ole Miss. Not a lot of drama. We felt good about him, but he committed to Ole Miss, and there was never any question about him. He never never deflected um, or, or showed any trepidation at all about his commitment. And then Branson Robinson, of course, heads to Georgia. Marquez Dorch, a former Ole Miss commitment, goes to state. Kamari Rogers provided a little bit of drama late, but I, I think most people expect him to stick. Trevion Williams is probably the biggest battle late. Goes to state. Stone Bland, of course, disappoints state fans. Goes to South Carolina. Still wishing the best. But outside of that, there wasn't much to it. We had some some guys that committed early and just kind of rode the process down. But there just really wasn't a lot of drama. Of course, state flips Jacarius Clayton, you know, on signing day. But uh, wasn't a ton of drama. There just wasn't a lot to this to really move the needle. I think this year is going to be much, much different. And I want to belabor that point. But uh, I think once we get into, especially to summer camps, get into summer camps and you're going to see some, some coaches decide to go all in on some kids and then they're going to pick up new offers. And then we're going to see this top 25 from 247 Sports change dynamically. The more times we see guys, the more likely you're going to see changes in the rankings. And so that's going to be an important part of things. And I think it's going to be one of those things every single weekend that everybody's going to be checking on our visitor list. Who came, who didn't? because you're going to want to read the tea leaves. Kids say one thing and sometimes do another. It's like, hey, well, I like State, Ole Miss, Georgia, and Arkansas, but they only visit State and Ole Miss. And so you start feeling pretty good about the fact this kid's probably going to stay in-state. And there's nothing better than covering, you know, a good in-state battle. They visit us one week, visit them the next, and it's like all of a sudden all the Ole Miss people hate our reports, and then our people hate the Ole Miss reports. And there's always a seven flow. And so I think this is, if you're a true recruit, Nick, this is one of those years that you've been looking forward to. It's going to be much, much different than what we've seen maybe in the last three years. Maybe even going back to maybe 15 or 18. You know, there's some years out there that you look at and they kind of mark your memory. And I think this is going to be one of them. I think it's time that you maybe familiarize yourself with some of these prospects. And that's the thing, too, you know, with basketball being as good as it's been this, this past couple of years, I think a lot of people have had that, hey, we've enjoyed March Madness, and we haven't really paid as much time to recruiting. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we're in baseball season, and there's a lot of angst, and there's some up and down with that. But, uh, you know, what's going to happen over the course of the next couple months once we get through with spring practice is it's going to be all about recruiting and finishing up college baseball. And this is going to be a very unique recruiting cycle. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can get all my sports books there. That's Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dog, Stark Villains. And there's, of course, Blooms of Oleander available through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com, or through your local bookstore. Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. And uh, a lot of people, I just, just yesterday, had somebody hit me up, said I'm getting some gear for Super Bulldog Weekend. I'm excited to see that. Uh, it, it's I love the brand, and I, I wish you guys uh, – great success with it when you buy it i'm sitting here looking at my uh trademark of the phrase stark villain on my wall right here in front of me uh, that's a super cool thing to be able to have but uh but here's the deal if we kind of move forward with all this that um you know maybe it's you're going to grow out of hoodie weather soon you can get stark villain t-shirts too in a variety of colors and as always if you're not a member of jeanspage.com you certainly should be we have a great time over there it's not, listen, it's not always, uh, you know, popcorn and, and, uh, and unicorn farts either. I mean, you know, I, I'm not some Pollyanna, uh, contrary to popular belief. I'm probably a little bit overly optimistic about baseball at times just because of the fact that I've got such belief in our baseball program. 
but the reality of it is, is, you know, we let people debate the issues. And sometimes, you know, people want to kind of live in a vacuum where everybody says what they believe. And uh, I just don't believe that. I think dialogue is good for all of us. And there have been times that, you know, I don't have a strong opinion about something. And I'll read other people's comments. I think, you know what? I think I agree with them. I do. You know, social media sometimes is the bane of our existence. But, uh, you know, message boards have been consistent. And it's a community. It's a family. And it's not to say that we always agree. We don't. There are times that we will disagree with each other vehemently. But we all want the same things. That's one thing that I always try to remind myself. When somebody says something that I think is way out of pocket, it's way over the top. I know they're, they're kind of speaking from emotion, but it all comes from a good place. And that's important to understand. We all want the same thing. And that's for Mississippi State to win and win big, really in all sports. And so it's not that they're, they hate Mississippi State. There are some people in these Facebook groups that, you know, that, that probably need to go sit down and talk to psychologists. But uh, my point being is like I, I would never say or do anything uh, to hurt you know, the perceptions of our program. But I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, I had some people that hit me up after Monday's show and say, hey, Steve, you know, you didn't hold anything back. Well, I mean, I don't hold anything back anytime. I'll tell you exactly how I feel. I just don't sometimes I don't, I don't go wallow in the mire like some other people do because I understand it is a long baseball season. I talked to two college baseball insiders this week. I said, what are you seeing from Mississippi State? What do you th- how do you think this thing plays out? And of course, everybody goes back to what we all talk about, too. It's all about strike throwing. And they believe that our young arms will be carrying the bulk of the load by the end of the year. And I think that's the case, too. I mean, you look at – I mean, do you guys not get excited when Gerangelo takes a mound? Do you not get excited when Nate Dome takes a mound? You're starting to get really excited when Lofton takes a mound, especially after last night, you know, when you, when you cut down on the walks. I think we all realize that uh, we have some young guys that are going to develop and be big-time players for us. And I don't know that we can afford to wait a year to kind of push them out there. I think maybe we got to do it now. And people, I know people now are already saying, well, why did we waste Lofton? We could have thrown him this weekend. Guys, there's no way you throw Bradley Lofton out there against a disciplined hitting team like Vanderbilt until he's proven he can go deeper in a ball game and not walk the ballpark. He's had a very difficult time with walks. You put him out there too soon on SEC play, I don't know you're going to crush his confidence, but you don't want him thinking too much. And so now, hey, maybe next week, Maybe next week, let's say you don't get three good starts on a weekend this week. And, again, we haven't announced our plans uh, for the weekend. But let's let's say, okay, hey, what if next Tuesday we decide, you know what, we're not going to throw Bradley Lofton against Sanford. Well, then I think you'd expect him to play against South Carolina. You know, may, maybe you do a Johnny Holstaff day. Maybe you let Colby Holcomb start against Sanford. Let him go three innings. And hopefully you get some separation in the game and you can save Lofton for the weekend. You know, you want to ask me what I think our best rotation is from the players that are currently available? It's Gerangelo, Nate, and Lofton. I think Landon Garbman is a guy, again, that is very competitive. I might be negative about him, but I, I think that I don't know that his stuff is special enough to get you through the order three times. And I don't know if we've got a lot of guys that can. But I think when you look long term and you begin to think about next year, that probably be in your rotation. That's a good way to go. And, may, and maybe – situation like maybe Nate starts and then you bring Gart in for a couple of innings, right? You, it's a different look. You know, Nate's out there just, you know, throwing BBs, 98, 99 miles an hour, and you bring in Gart and maybe he can get you to the ninth and hopefully Nixon uh, returns to form. And now that he's back, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But uh, there's still some questions this Bulldog baseball team has to answer. 
and uh, hopefully we can get some of those answered this weekend. But it all, in my estimation, it all starts with starting pitching. It all starts with starting pitching. I think you can piece it together now on the back end a little bit with KC Hunt uh, and some other guys back there. But uh, the reality of it is we've got to get quality starts, and that's been in short supply this year. You get quality starts, your defensive play gets better, your offensive play gets better. It all it doesn't end with pitching, but it all starts with pitching. When you don't when you don't pitch it, defense falls asleep. Then all of a sudden you put a lot of pressure on your offense. But when you know you can go out there and get outs and not have people post crooked numbers all the time, it, it gives everybody a sense of hope and they just keep grinding and keep working. In order to have patience at the plate, you need to be in the ballgame. That's what starting pitching gives you. Listen, that's it for today. We'll be back on Friday. But until then, everybody, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.